You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. And I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we are talking about paths to motherhood, and we're going to talk about navigating infertility. And to help us with this topic is our friend Katie Frazier. So thank you for joining us, Katie. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And just give us a little um, brief bio. Tell us about yourself, your family. Well, uh, my name is Katie Frazier, as she said, and I'm from Alabama, but moved here to Tennessee in 2007. Um, I'm married to Sean. We have one daughter, Daisy, and a dog named Ginger Snap Frazier. I was a teacher for nine years. I was a band director, and throughout this, what we're going to talk about today, God made it clear that that career path needed to change. But I'm still a musician, um, but I don't teach full-time anymore. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I have lots of interest. I actually um, volunteer with Bible Study Fellowship, and I know Renee's mentioned that on this podcast before. So that is uh, a big-time commitment for me as well. It is, and it's great. It's such a great um, organization, and, and especially for moms. It has so much to offer. And your husband is also a musician. Right. That's how we met yeah. in college. We were both music majors. Yep. So He's a fabulous worship minister. Yeah. We Thank love Sean. You. He's great. So, okay, we're going to talk about infertility. Uh, you want to give us some statistics, Bonnie? Um, yeah, sure. So just from what I've looked at, um, infertility, the definition is technically the inability to conceive after a year of trying, usually with a um, female under the age of 35. Um, so the natural fertility rate is only about 20% a month, which I was surprised by. I thought mm-hmm. that was fairly low. Yeah. Some people are just fertile myrtles. <laughs> but um, one in eight couples do have trouble. That's almost 7 million a year, 7 million families a year. Um, 90% of those can be overcome, but that comes with a price tag usually. Um, And I did have, just from personal experience, right when I got engaged, went to the doctor. um, Gosh, I was 20-something years old. And very brusquely, it was an older man, was like totally inexperienced. And he did, uh, you know, the obligatory embarrassing check or whatever and he says well you got a weirdly tipped uterus in there you probably means you can't have children is how that news was delivered to me like like, two months after I'd gotten engaged so I was crushed Mm -hmm. of course that didn't turn out to be the case but um it was extremely insensitive and extremely um Wow. And like, I've thought then, wow, is this how people get this sort of news? <laughs> is this yeah. usual? Yeah. So Katie and Sean are, you guys are one of the, um, the ones who've had trouble mm-hmm. conceiving. So tell us just how that, what that looked like for you guys. Sure. Um, I'm a big talker, so I'll try to keep it brief today. <laughs> <laughs> we got married in 2006 and we just assumed yeah. we would be married for a few years, work on our master's degree and then we would start trying and, and we would, uh, well, I got married at 22. Okay. 
Um, and you know, after a few years we would start trying and then we would have a baby. We didn't have any experience on either side of the family with infertility. It just wasn't even a thought in our minds. So we started working. Both of us had full-time teaching jobs. Um, everything was going great, doing our masters, super busy to work full-time and do your masters. If you, yeah, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but we got through that season and we're like, okay, We've graduated. It's time to start trying, which is the fun word to say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Read between the lines, people. Yeah. Um, so, mostly fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we started trying, and about a year passed um, with no any indication of a pregnancy or any kind of miscarriage or anything. And so when I went for my yearly, I brought it up to the gynecologist, and she was like very chill about it. Mm. You know, like it's fine. She wasn't mm, pursuing anything at that time. And so I thought, okay, this is fine. I didn't know any different. And so I talked to a few friends at church and they were like, well, you, you can ask questions. Like, don't feel like you just have to take what they say yeah. and, you know, think that's the only answer. Um, so I did, I started asking more questions and I found out that, like you said, in those opening statistics, you know, after a year, then it's time maybe to start digging in more to see what answers you might could find. And so, uh, we did, um, thankfully at that same time at church, a infertility class started and that was so awesome. The Lord, I think totally directed the timing for that. I wasn't really sure I could be qualified as infertile when that started, but it felt like I need to be there just in case. Sure. <laughs> so, um, we can talk more about that later, but was it like a support yeah. group kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. There were two ladies that had walked that journey. Uh, one pursued adoption. The other pursued lots of infertility treatments. And that's her story to tell, so I won't go into the details. But they wanted to offer that for ladies who were just looking at what are my options? Am mm -hmm. I the only one out here on this island? Or are there others oh, that could encourage great. me? So it was really great. But uh, So that was just from the spiritual aspect of encouragement and just seeking God's word. Um, what does he have to say about all this? But anyway, from the medical point of view, we did go back to the gynecologist and, you know, we had to run, I had to have blood work drawn. I think it was once or twice a month, like for a year. Um, Sean had to see had his doctor and then they referred him to a urologist. And there were just lots of those kind of things where it was like local, didn't have to drive far, but you just had to make all these appointments and we're working full time. Mm -hmm. So it was very stressful. Mm -hmm to manage all that and expensive, as you said, and so um, while you're just living life. I mean, yeah, it's just like I'm going on with my job. I'm yeah. still a wife, sister, Are daughter. You at this yeah. Point? That's what I'm, I was sitting here wondering. Were you worried? Yet? I mean, I started getting worried yeah. because I'm like, okay, we've passed the year. We're doing all this blood work and they're saying that I'm ovulating, but why is nothing happening? Mm -hmm. Um, maybe there's something else, you know? And so I'm be honest, a lot of these details are fuzzy because it was a while ago, <laughs> but yes, there was concern for sure. And through this class that I mentioned, uh, it was just such a transformative way of thinking. We were reading a book called Hannah's Hope. I know sometimes y'all include um, resources. Mm -hmm. It was a great resource. And one of the lines in the book said, let me back up a second. I started thinking, why is this happening to me? Is this because of something I've done wrong, like my sin or 
you know, us as a husband and wife, something that we've done, God is punishing us for, which sounds totally ridiculous for me to say it right now to y'all, but that's just what I thought at one point. And I remember a line in that book said, um, at, well, and part of that was looking at others who are just happily getting pregnant right off the bat, or these teenagers who get pregnant and they're not even married. They don't even want to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just hard for me to accept. Why are we not receiving this blessing and all these other people who are not thankful and yeah. ready, you know, yeah. quote unquote ready. So anyway, there was a line in the book that said, um, God draws us to himself. Sometimes he gives more than we can handle as in a child. If you're like, let's say the teenager, not ready. Um, so that we have nowhere else to look, but him. And sometimes he has another purpose for us so that we have to find our fulfillment and our answer in him instead. And I just never thought about that before. Like I'm a very positive person, (laughs) very optimistic. I've had a very smooth childhood, great college experience, the whole thing. So that was just new to me to think about why is this happening to me or us? Um, I couldn't make sense of it. So uh, I got kind of off track on the question you asked, but I think that season of starting to have tests run, starting to not have a quick answer was where I really started questioning, like, what, what is this going to look like? What, what are we going to do next if, you know, this can't happen? Um, so this was like around 2009. 2010, 2010 was when we started trying. So then 2011 so that year, that year. Starting. Yeah. in 2011, we were starting to have all these blood works and urologist appointments and so on and so forth. Okay. And that's just, tell me just from a medical point of view, what is that supposed to show you? Well, I think, and again, I'm not the expert either with medical things, but they were wanting to see if I was actually ovulating. Mm-hmm. I was having a period. We can just talk about this, right? <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah, we can. Yes, we I had can. always been regular, and that wasn't the thing. It was, okay, so are you ovulating? Is there a chance for pregnancy? Or is, you know, something delayed or blocking or whatever? And all the numbers looked good on my end. Mm-hmm. So then it was like, I think that you just keep getting more severe, if that's the right word, with what they can look at. In the beginning, the blood work is easy. You just stick out your arm yeah. and, you know, go on about your day. But then they have to do some more invasive things to actually look in there. And so the next one was like an ultrasound, vaginal ultrasound, to actually look inside. Um, At that time, they didn't see any signs of endometriosis or any kind of cysts or anything. And so they're like, everything looks good, you know. And so we're like, okay, what next? (laughs) I mean, like, you know. Um, And then they're like, well, we've looked at, you know, everything that we can do so we're going to now refer you to the specialist and that's in Nashville and we're like great and if you're not from the middle Tennessee area Murfreesboro is not that far from Nashville but once again we were working (laughs) full-time so every time we had these appointments we were having to get subs and you know write lesson plans and usually we went together so anyway it was a lot to think about are we going to go this route is there another option and at the time there wasn't there were no specialists in Murfreesboro now there are but um so we just had to take that next step to try to get some answers so what is the specialist going to tell you to do well they wanted to do their own blood work and their own you know 
So we had to do those start again. Over. Some we more months over. of that where you feel like we're backtracking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I did feel like in that case, being with a specialist, they probably would be able to see more nuances and recognize something quicker. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, again, that was just my optimism. Um, but they never saw anything either. Hmm. And it's just really bizarre. But I'm leaving out a key part of this. You know, I had to have all these things done to me. Sean also had to have tests and things looked at as well. And so that was a whole other thing that no one prepared us for. We had no knowledge, no research or anything. And that's not something you want to Google. (laughs) (laughs) Your algorithms are totally hosed. Right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Hello. Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah. So how old are you at this point? By this time we were getting into our, we had passed our mid twenties, you know, we're getting into the upper twenties. And by now you were supposed to have a two year old at least. Oh yeah. And people that when we started trying that I knew were also trying, or maybe they were having their second child that, you know, you just envision like, we're going to get pregnant together. Mm. We're going to have children the same age. And we didn't. So we just didn't. That's a good. That's a good point. So meanwhile, you're seeing them. Oh yeah. Live the life you were supposed to be living. Yeah. So you thought, what was that like? It was hard. Um, I think that holidays and you know big things that everyone recognizes, like Mother's Day. We just had Easter, and I just really struggled. There was, I remember, baby dedication Sunday. Um, those were so hard because it was my friends. It was people that I loved. And I felt like a terrible Christian to not go and celebrate with them because they didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't really mad at them. I was just, I think, mourning the loss that I couldn't be side by side, yeah. you know, celebrating along with them. Um, and the Mother's Day thing, since we're talking about this, and that will be coming up soon, I just want to say to anyone listening to this podcast, I would caution you to greet every woman you see with a greeting of Happy Mother's Day. That was so devastating to me because I'm like, I'm not a mother. Mm. You don't get that title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through no fault of your own yeah. because you wanted that yeah. nothing more than to be that. Yeah. yeah. That's so hard. Um, okay. So you're, you're sad. I'm hearing you say you're sad and it's difficult, but I don't. I don't know this part of your story, but how, were you bitter? Did you get angry? There were, I don't know if I would say anger, but I definitely struggled with jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you are optimistic, so mm-hmm. you're going to re- respond to it in a different, you know, a way that differently than another personality would. But so tell me how you work through that, because we, we're all going to hit roadblocks in life. We're yeah. all going to have suffering. So can you speak to how you um, stewarded that well or how you wish you might have stewarded it differently? Definitely. I think, like I mentioned before, the class that I joined um, right at the get-go was so important. And I just thank the Lord that that timing worked out the way it did. I've kept in touch with those two teachers, and they're just fantastic. So, um, But I didn't really ask their permission to share all their information, so I'm going to keep that um, confidential. But... That was huge. I think that over a period of years, I realized that I had become a workaholic. And it took 
I don't know, just some time to be able to say, I need to rein it in. We got to like, I think it was because we started teaching and doing our masters full time that we got used to that kind of a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we couldn't stop me more so than Sean. He's way more laid back. He was, he's good at relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be told to relax. So, um, you know, I had to think about what that would look like to take a step back from being so, so busy. And, um, so I, I sought out some help for that and it was, you know, I'll call it natural medicine, but I went to an acupuncturist. I started doing yoga. These were like brand new things for me that I was kind of embarrassed to tell some people in my life because I thought they might judge me, <laughs> yeah. but I just thought I need a different way of thinking and dealing with yeah. my stress than mm-hmm. what I've been doing in the past. Um, and I think that really helped. It really helped. Um, there were so many amazing things at the time too. Our church started the school of Christian thought and there were all these amazing speakers that were coming in talking about their times of suffering and how God walked them through it. I can't even list them all because every single one was awesome. We went to all of them. Um, Ken Carlson was at our church during that time and he so transformed our thinking about prayer and it was just key. I think that Sean and I grew closer through that time because we knew that no one else could really understand everything. And so we just like had to stick together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, tr- I started thinking about it in terms of look at this bonus time that we have in our marriage before kids that other people don't have if they've only been married one year and now they are pregnant, you know, they didn't get that much time to like really build their friendship and just do fun things that we all know. Once you have kids, it's all different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so I started thinking about it that way and that helped a lot that, you know, this is a bonus time for us. We can go to Italy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like (laughs) one extreme example, but yeah. yeah. That's all. That's really wise. It's, it's kind of like hitting it from different angles there. I'm hearing you say like um, spiritually and physically mm-hmm. and um, the story you decide to tell yourself because mm-hmm. um, we all have that choice yep. of, of how we're going to script that, that thing that's happening to us. And that's all really good. Yeah. It's really, really wise. Um, I, we talked at one point about miscarriage and, and loss of pregnancy and stuff on an episode. And that is such a um, silent loss that most women don't talk about, even though it's so common. Um, and if you do talk about it, we usually tell each other, or it's common to say that, oh, you're just so strong. You're just being so strong mm-hmm. through this. And I think that um, strength is not somebody's ability to just smile through the tears and suffer in silence. I do not. That is not strong. Strong is being able to say, this is killing me. This is breaking my heart. Mm. And to say that to someone else who, um, to the telling of your story mm-hmm. is such a powerful thing. Um, so I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate yeah. you being here today and doing this. Um, Can I say something about that? Absolutely. Because you just reminded me that the Rossers, who Abby was on this podcast a while ago, were walking their journey waiting for their child at the same time these these are overlapping times Mm -hmm. and I just watched them and I thought wow they are so strong but when I would talk to her she would almost always tear up (laughs) because it was hard they were in a hard season too but I thought man I want to be like her because she's still serving she's still showing up she's not like wallowing 
and I'm not here to say that no one should wallow. <laughs> you might need a good cry, yeah. you know, regularly, and it's okay. But my point is, she knew that the Lord was not forgetting them. And I saw that, and it was so amazing to watch. Yeah. So. Same thing with Jenna. I remember that moment in the podcast where I was like, so you got up yeah. every morning yeah. and put your feet on the floor and went and fulfilled your duties in life. Yeah. You had a job, you had a child, and you had, you had this right. deep grief. Even though. Even though, Even yeah. Though. yeah. So I admire that so mm-hmm. much. So, okay, so... You've gone to the specialist and you've taken more blood work and you backtracked a little bit and tried to do some other options. So what it, what were your options? Were you considering in vitro fertilization? Were you maybe looking at a surrogate? Um, like what did you actually think was on the table yeah. for you guys to do? At the time, and I have to say that since it's been some years, these things change, you know. Um, the way they did it was you could have what they call IUI, you could have six rounds of IUIs, and then the next step would be IVF, which is what you said okay. in vitro. And so, obviously, our hope was that one of those IUIs would work. What's and we an would, IUI? Tell it's us. intro uterine insemination. Okay. So, basically, and I do want to say something more about this, but to answer that, um, they collect a sample from Sean. They clean it up. Okay. And then, after they've got that ready, well... Of course, I've had to do blood work and make sure that I'm ready on my end. Right. But anyway, then I go back and they inseminate. They put that right. sample yes. they've just cleaned directly in. Okay. So there's no... I don't know how to say it. <laughs> there's no time gap. It's almost yeah. like what you would do at your house with just a time delay yeah. of, you know, a one hour time delay. Okay. Um, and this, I do want to be cautious how we talk about this. And, and I hope anyone listening who has walked through this or may face it in the future can hear me, hear my heart. I believe God directs everybody's path. And so if you feel differently than I do, or you chose differently than we did, um, I hope you don't hear judgment in what we're saying. I'm just simply sharing my experience. Right. Sure. So, sure. Um, but back to about Sean, I did ask him if there was anything he wanted to share. And since you brought up what did these procedures look like, this might be a good time to say that during, I'm just going to read it during infertility tests for the man, the husband and wife should go together to provide the sample. You can and should go together. Otherwise the man is obligated to do something that is wrong. And all of the fertility testing places offer you pornography, which is also very wrong. So go as a couple. That's mm. great advice. And of course, I remember that when he said it, but that's not one of the first things that I thought of. Mm. So we all, that's why we always went together, as I said earlier. Yeah, that's almost a joke. People make a joke of that. But that is yeah. so good and brave of him to say that. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking that it's, this is, you're laying yourselves bare <laughs> in this conversation. Like I really appreciate it. Cause I think it's going to help a lot of, a lot of women. Um, but it is very wow. intimate. So we I did those six, that. those six yeah. IUIs that I just described that process. Um, and can, do you mind if I ask sure. if you do tell me, um, what was the cost? I don't really remember. It was not covered by insurance. Wow. Okay. So I, I think, I had to have a shot that I had to administer. This is a funny thing. They had to mail me the shot to school because it had to be refrigerated. Hmm. 
and I worked full time, so I couldn't receive that package at my home, you know, during the day. So the business office lady would go and sign for that and put it in the refrigerator. And then at the end of the day, I would get it out of the refrigerator and take it home. Um, and that had to do with making sure that the, um, I just lost my word, like, um, the ovulation was on track, you know, that everything was good. Um, if you go the IVF route, there's way more shots and medicines involved. So this was like a one shot thing, but it's still funny to think about that, you know, bless her heart, that business lady, <laughs> she signed for it six times for we me. Appreciate her. Um, she knows who she is, but so you did all six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you had to pay for that shot, not covered by insurance and you had to pay for the blood test. You know, I had to go in and they would draw a sample to make sure things were ready. And most of the time they were, cause we had been tracking for a long time. You, that's another thing with infertility. You have to track everything. You've written it all down somewhere. And it's, it's just crazy to look back at that. But right. anyway, and doesn't that, this is a little interruption, but then doesn't like that kill the magic a little <laughs> bit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was an up and down time yeah. because you know, you're spontane spontaneity is out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when, once you start in with the fertility, because they say you need to be doing this every day with this day to this day and, and don't on these certain days. And so oh, it's like, it's all yes, recommended. yes, yes. Oh, wow. And who cares if you're like attending a funeral or what, you know, like <laughs> if you're hardcore, you gotta, yes. you know, like, yes. right. so oh. yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, but the cost and then the other stuff was in the hundreds. So the IUI yeah. that was in the hundreds. I don't remember doesn't the exact mm-hmm. six times doesn't work. So now what are you, two and a half years in, three years in? This was in about 2013 when we had done all those things we've talked about, six IUIs, and they were like, okay, it's time to start talking about IVF. You're a great candidate, blah, 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 blah. And they're just assuming that we're going to do this. Mm. And I could just sense that both of us, but especially Sean, was just like, time out. You know, like we just need a hot second right here. And so we let the doctor talk. This was the specialist and we got all the information and on the drive home. He was like, I just don't know about this. I don't have a good feeling about this. So we decided to pray and, you know, take a time out. And we came to the conclusion that for us, we did not want to go the route of IVF. There's several reasons and I don't mind sharing, but once again, if you're listening, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to sound like I'm judging anyone else. Okay. (laughs) But it's very, very expensive and way more invasive. Like thousands. Yes. Yes. And there's no guarantees. And keep in mind what we've already been experiencing for the last three to four years before this. And so we're like, what else can we do? If we don't do IVF, what else can we do? We knew that we could adopt. And I don't mean that it would happen fast, but we knew that was an option. Um, but we didn't know if that's what God was calling us to do, if that's what either one of us really wanted to do. And so we just felt like we're not going to pursue this right now. And, um, after a couple months of just taking a break and talking about that a lot and praying about it, we just felt a sense of peace that that wasn't for us. Um, so we asked some of our dear friends, including some people in the class that I mentioned to join us for 40 days of prayer just that we would have a piece about what the next step should be. And so we did. 
And it was a wild and crazy ride because some days I'm like, I hear you, Lord. And the next day I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, it's not that, you know. So it was very interesting that by the end, everyone, um, and I guess most importantly, Sean and I, just felt a sense of peace that we, we need to stop. Just stop all this extra appointments, all this money, all this craziness. And we just need to enjoy what we have right now for a while. And then God will make it clear when we need to do the next thing. So we just stopped everything. Wow. That seems really hard. So like, cause I'm, I'm picturing, I mean, it took us a little while to get pregnant with Emma and maybe like almost a year, which sounds statistically normal from what you were just describing. And I got to say, I started to get like a little panicky, just, just that. Yeah. And so you, you're thinking like your age and you've already spent all these years and it's very wise. I think that you just didn't continue to get sucked down into the next thing and the next thing and just give yourself a break yeah because it's an emotional spiritual physical toll all all those things um do you mind sharing why you decided not to do IVF like were there reasons uh I mean I know the reason I'm asking can I'll just say this is because I think um John Stone Street and the Breakpoint podcast Mm -hmm. has a lot of really good information about this Mm -hmm. they really help people walk through like a Christian worldview of infertility and and those kinds of things and so I I, it's not something I had to think seriously about but I've benefited so much Mm. just by their perspectives knowing that as you said every family has to decide for themselves but I mean we want to help people have a Christian worldview of things and so you have a Christian worldview (laughs) and so so I'm assuming you you viewed this decision through those lenses what did you like what were you weighing well, as I mentioned, the financial aspect was a big one. Um, it just seemed very risky for no guarantee. Mm-hmm. And even though we never had any indication that it would be impossible for us to conceive a child, it just felt like not good stewardship from a monetary standpoint. Okay. So that's, that's a, one thing. All right. Um, I think that more so than me, Sean felt like it, he was uncomfortable with the steps that had to happen in order for you to conceive a child through IVF. I mentioned about IUI. It's with IVF. There's so many more things um, that you have to do and many more shots, many more medicines, many more appointments to check this level and that level. And um, once, so let's say that, you know, you ended up with 14 fertilized eggs and this happens to a lot of people because they pump you up with all these medicines. And so they, their ovaries are like really stimulated and, you know, whoa, here's all these could be babies. Um, anyway, then, then what? And this happens to a lot of people where they, you know, have the fertilized egg and they're, you know, able to get pregnant. Maybe they end up having twins. Yay. Well, now they still have 12 more. What are you going to do with those 12? And a lot of people you know, go ahead and keep trying. And that's how they have their other children. And they're all kind of like quadruplets or whatever, (laughs) since they were all conceived at the same time, but they were like frozen. Um, anyway, and then other people, you know, maybe they end up having triplets. And so they're not ready to think about like, what if I had triplets again or whatever? And so then they're just, these frozen embryos are just frozen in time. 
And if you move or if you anything, you have to decide what happens to them. And I, I know someone who that very thing happened to, and they felt like they were leaving their baby behind. Mm -hmm. So it's just all these kinds of big decisions that factor into IVF that did not play into IUIs that made it hard. Mm -hmm. Like I said, more so for Sean than me, but we were on the same page with it. He was, I guess maybe he came to that faster. (laughs) And so it was just like, we don't feel like we're ready to make those kind of decisions about how a child could come into the world, you know. Mm -hmm from me and him. (laughs) Mm I think it's interesting that you talked about being on that um, sort of hamster wheel of school and work and getting used to that pace and everything. And this this, um, treatment for infertility was kind of the same thing. You're on this hamster wheel and then the next thing and the next thing and it's just assumed we're just going to keep going and keep going. But the lessons that you maybe took from jumping off that first hamster wheel kind of applied to the second one where you were a little bit easier to say, you know what? Maybe we just back off. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting timing. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so you decide not to do that. You say, we're going to wait. You're, you pray and fast with your friends, mm-hmm. and you, you both say, okay, we're not doing IVF. Right. Okay, then what? So we're still teaching full-time. <laughs> and I think I was, as you mentioned about getting off the hamster wheel, I think I was beginning to be to realize I need to make a big change. I can't live this kind of lifestyle and be the type of mother that I want to be. And so I was just like, what does this mean for my career? What does this mean? I can't just stop teaching right now because I'm not pregnant, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know how to make a change with what I'm currently doing. So it was a really hard time of like, what, how is God going to direct our careers and our lifestyle and whatever? Um, so that we can be the kind of parents that we want to be because we still had full trust that we were going to somehow have a child. <laughs> so that next year was like that. It was like, okay, let's start praying about how we can obey God when he shows us what's going to have to change about our schedule and our lives. And um, we didn't know. It's not like we had a specific thought in our minds of what it would look like. But I will say God was beginning the work for Sean to be able to have the job that he has now, even during that time. We didn't know it, but John Magnuson knew it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so that was kind of in the works in the background. But as for me, you know, I just thought, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do if this keeps taking a long time. I need to make a change, but I don't know what I should do. And so then... Um, It's just clear as a bell to me. David Young did a sermon. That's our preacher. And it was near Christmas, and he was preaching about baby Jesus and Mary. And because of all this, we've already talked about the class that I was in, all these School of Christian Thought events. I had started really studying the Bible more deeply through BSF. Um, I was involved in a discipleship group, uh, another Bible study. It was a lot of things that I hadn't been doing prior to all this. So I believe God had been like, you know, preparing my heart and mind to hear this. But he just said, you know, Mary's answer to the angel was yes. When he said the craziest thing ever, like, (laughs) hey, you're about to get pregnant and it's going to be Jesus. You know, (laughs) wouldn't you have been like, what? But she was like, yes, I am your servant. And so he said, what do you need to say yes to? And as clear as a bell, the Holy Spirit just said adoption. 
And I had not thought of adoption before that. And I just thought, whoa, I think I just heard from the Lord. Did Sean hear the same thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) I remember going to lunch that day and I told him that. Um, There were some other people there and they were like, oh, you know, everybody was kind of shocked. Like, really? Oh. And I was just like, nope, that was it. I know it. It was so clear. Like, yeah. Mm. So it it took a while. Okay, so yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like the next day we started applying to adopt, but that was in, I believe it was December of 2014 that he did that sermon. And then it would take into some months of 2015 for God to move Sean to work at our church. Um, he finished out the school year, but he actually did start working for North Boulevard at the same time he was still a full-time teacher. So he never, it was like overlapping. Mm-hmm. But anyway, God totally, totally worked that out. And so then it was like, we want to, after some time of talking and praying, I don't want to skip over that because he wasn't right on board with me to your question. Um, but after some time and we were both on the same page, totally all in. We went to one meeting and we were like, we don't even have time to do this application process because of our jobs. It was wild. Like all the things you had to do. And I just thought we can't even apply. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like we got to get some stuff out of the way so we can move forward with what clearly God has shown us we need to do. And so that helped me because I could be like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done with this full time teaching nights and weekends thing that I've been doing. And, um, and I was ready. Mm. Take that next mm-hmm. Wow. But so in the meantime, though, you never really did have an answer. Nope. For... Unexplained, unexplained infertility. Yep. And they never, yeah. Mm-mm. So there's like a 30, 30, 30 statistic. Do you know that where like 30% of the time it's, um, attributable to problems the females having yeah. 30% of the time it's the husband. Yeah. And then 30 don't explain. Nope. So that's just. Never. Mm -mm. And were you at peace with that? I mean, because you're, I'm hearing you working through all of the emotions as you're going through it. You don't let it like, it doesn't sound like you're letting it snowball into this big thing that you got to unpack. You're kind of untying the knot as you go. It sounds like. Yeah. But I would be like, I guess I just always would be wondering, I think like, why? Why? Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, I felt like it was some kind of punishment, which I'm convinced that it was not. Well, you said it. I mean, everyone experiences suffering and Jesus said, you will have trouble, but I've overcome. So, yeah, I'm just convinced that it was not a punishment. But um, I just think for whatever reason, and I still don't know why. And at some point I think I did surrender the why question because I'm like, only God knows he's got this perspective. We've been studying Joseph right now in BSF and his story is so crazy. When you think about when he's sitting there in prison, you know, 13 years from when he was sold as a slave, he's with Potiphar and his wife. Hello. Then he's in prison. It's 13 years before Pharaoh he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And so like, why, why did he have to do it that long? Why did God want the famine to happen at that time? Instead of, couldn't he just have only been in prison like two years? (laughs) 
but we don't have any answers for those hard questions except God is sovereign. And so I just, I really had to come to terms with that. I had to get okay with that, that I don't know why. I still don't know why. Mm-hmm. Why did we have to go through all those tests? Why do we have to go through so many years? Why did it have to be, this is when we would apply to adopt and then we still had to wait for two and a half more years before Daisy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm just okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's encouraging um, that, you know, I, I could get there. Other people could get there. You can you can get there yeah. and be okay with the, with the unknowing and trust that God's still good. Right. Um, all right, so we've got, you've got, you're both on the same page. Yes. And you're like, okay, we, we're so busy, we can't fill this application out. So when you say, okay, I'm going to step away. Yeah, and because of Sean's, you know, he was going to be starting a new job, I just felt like, as I said, I was ready. I think the Lord had prepared me to just say, it's okay if I don't have a full-time job as we enter into this next season, whatever that looks like. Um, and so I just, you know, I, when he turned in his letter of resignation, so did I, and we both finished out the year and we love our jobs and our students. And, you know, it was hard. It was hard to leave that. Um, But then it was just a crazy time because we were so excited about, you know, starting the application process and we knew what the average wait time was. We're like, we're so awesome. It's going to happen for us faster than the average. (laughs) So I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, oh, by this time in whatever year, you know. Um, And so that kind of like excitement and adrenaline and all the things you have to do, you know, was what we were doing for the rest of that year. That was 2015. And so anyway, we get to November, everything has been approved. And if anyone's listening and they're curious about adoption, let me just do a quick rundown of what that involved. We did work through an agency. That was a very big decision. Lots of prayer. There's so many agencies. It's very overwhelming. Um, I do believe God led us to the agency that we chose. And um, so many amazing relationships have come from that particular agency. So I just have to say that. I believe if you're searching, God will reveal it to you, but it's very overwhelming. So just get ready. Uh, Um, But you, you know, the, the benefit of it was the agency had all the experience. They knew lawyer talk and legal, all the laws of, you know, the state where we live, Tennessee. Um, They kind of knew what to expect from when birth mothers would come Sometimes birth mothers and birth fathers would come together. They, they just had all the experience. And so it was great for us because we didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we still had to do, like, had to have a physical, had to have blood work, had to make sure we weren't criminals, you know, the whole thing. Um, certain, I don't even remember what the, there was like blood testing. I can't remember why. But we did all that. And so in November of that year, we were approved as a waiting family, and as I mentioned, we were really thinking, we're so awesome, and I'm sorry, that's embarrassing y'all, to y'all say, but awesome. I was like, yeah, I'm like they're going to all want us. I thought the same thing, too, when I <laughs> when I saw you all going through this from afar, because I really knew, actually, your aunt better, I was, yes. and so she would kind of keep me updated, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to get mad so, so quick, you know. Um, and I can laugh average? now, but, oh, <laughs> what man. What is the average wait time? I mean. For our agency, it was 1.75 years, which sounds so mathematical, but that's just the average. So I thought it'll definitely be less for us. I really thought that. And we've waited so long. And, you know, anyway, 
we have so much to offer. Um, and we do. It's just funny how you look back on that. But <laughs> so we began waiting. I'll say the exact date, November 30th, 2015. And so, you know, through 2016, I was kind of prepared that it might not be the year, you know. So I was like, when the end of 2016 was coming and we still hadn't been chosen, I was like, it's okay. You know, they told us 1.75 years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you have to do trainings. So once a month, we would go for trainings. We had to, you know, keep everything current. And um, we had to have a family profile. So you had to choose pictures. You had to make a book, you know, all these kind of things. So there were things to do along the way. It wasn't like we're just at home with no connection with anyone and thinking, did they forget us? Yeah. Like there were things happening along the way, which was good. Um, and so when it came time for the year, you have to update everything. And so we were like, okay, we kind of expected this. So like I said, it wasn't a huge surprise. And then as we got into 2017, I started to feel like, why is it not happening? Like, what did we not make a good book? Did we not put our best foot forward? You know, like (laughs) (laughs) you think about every picture and every little tiny phrasing that you wrote through the book. Did that, you know, deter someone from being interested in us, which is totally ridiculous. Oh my goodness. God's in charge of all of it, but you're just thinking of anything like, Oh, I think I had an Alabama shirt on in that Uh, picture. What if they're an Auburn fan? You know, like, you just think crazy things. And so thankfully our church has an orphan care ministry. And so some of the people said, would you like to have something, you know, a shower? Um, we didn't even know what it would look like. And I just said, we don't really need any things because over all this time we had slowly started buying things and family had bought things. We don't really need things. We just want prayer. (laughs) We need support, you know, And so someone, I don't know who it was, had the idea to just have a prayer time at our house. And so they scheduled it and um, some people came Mm -hmm. and it was so great. People wrote out prayers, some who couldn't come, you know, they wrote out their prayers and some who also came wrote out their prayers as well. And I still have all of those. And it was such a great day, although I was exhausted at the end. (laughs) It felt like a spiritual battle that day, but it was so great. Um... So that was a good encouragement as we were waiting to adopt that kind of like gave us a boost, you know, to keep waiting faithfully. Um, I think it was beautiful. Like it, it was, um, I think we should have more prayer parties. Yeah. I mean, it is so, like you said, it's so powerful. There was no decorations. There was no fancy (laughs) anything. It was just like, come and pray. And we had some water bottles, I think, but mostly we just need to pray. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I highly encourage that. And in these days of COVID, you know, who knows? But um, I'm just thankful that we were able to do that. Mm -hmm. People were able to come in the nursery, you know, and and pray. Yeah. And our sweet friend, you know, I could just like have shout outs this entire time. But uh, Shannon Watson, my dear friend that we taught with, who also was in the orphan care ministry, she and her adopted son made a beautiful painting for our wall. And she presented it, I think, that day or in advance of that day so that, you know, it could kind of be a reflection of the prayers. Like, after the craziness was over and everyone left, we could kind of have that as a visual reminder. And uh, it's just like a once in a, once of a... one of a kind is what I'm trying to say. It's a one of a kind art piece that's that was made specifically for us. And I remember thinking at the time it was for the child, but it was really for us. Mm, 
So sweet. It's mm. beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh yeah. So Such a good day. you want me so to just keep talking? Keep going. So we're we're now we're like um. This is 2017. Yeah, so we're seven years. We're coming in. up. Yeah. We're coming up seven on years. like yeah. one point seven five. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't remember the timeline of. There were two times that we were contacted by our caseworker at our adoption agency and were told that we were kind of in the, the final round of considerations and then we were not ultimately chosen. We never had the experience of being told you're chosen and then someone changing their mind. And I'm so thankful to God that we didn't have to walk through that because I just think that would be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um so in that sense, we didn't have any failed adoptions. And if you've ever heard that word, that's what it means, that someone picked a family and then changed their mind. And you had you thought, here's the due date. It's a boy or it's a girl, and here's what their name's going to be. And, you know, and then, no, just kidding. It's not yeah. happening. Ugh. That is awful. And we never had that experience. But we did, as I mentioned, you know, get notified that we were kind of in the final runnings. And one of those happened while we were in Italy, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> we went there in the summer of 2017. And it was a hard decision to go because we felt like it could happen. We don't want to be knocked out of, you know, being chosen because we're out of the country. But at some point through the adoption wait, our wonderful caseworkers just said, you have to live your life. Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes children have health issues when they're born and they have to be in the hospital for two weeks anyways. Like you just don't know. So if you have the opportunity to go, do it, you know. And so we were, we knew that we were being considered, but we went on to Italy anyways. And we got the text while we were in Italy that we were not chosen. And oh. that was a hard one. <laughs> but then on I was trip. like, we're in Italy. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> Bring on the gelato. <laughs> But we just thought it would be so special to, like, get that news while we were there. So we kind of had it built up in our minds that, like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. And it wasn't. So. That stinks so bad. Yeah. I mean, like, that is. a roller coaster. I, I know. know. I'm like, yes, you're in Italy, but, like, I'm sorry. I would have been knocked yeah. down. Yeah. On that one. It helps that we were there with family. And so we were all hanging out together doing things. At the time, this was with Sean's family. No one had any children. So he has three other siblings. So everyone, you know, everybody had fun things to do, like that they wanted to do as a tourist or whatever. And um, so it really did help that the family was there and that we were busy and we had like things to do every day. And I think it would have been harder if it was just me and Sean by ourselves yeah. in Italy. I think yeah. it would have been a lot harder. Yeah. So I'm thankful <clears throat> that that's how the trip was. Yeah. But anywho, <laughs> so we get back. And this is still 2017, and then we, so we're still doing the trainings, and I remember so clearly having a sense of dread as the November was approaching because I knew we were going to have to do another update, and I did not want to do it. I was like, I don't want to have to do this again. And if you have, if you wait long enough, they can ask you to make a new book because you change. Like when we first made our book, my hair was really short, and Sean had just barely a beard, you know. Um, and he had like a more full beard and my hair was super long and Ginger was not looking like a puppy anymore. And so she was like, I think you need to make a new book. And I was like, no. Oh. 
And so that was a bad conversation getting closer to November because I'm like, I knew she was going to say that, but I don't want to. And so I like kind of resisted for a while. Like maybe we'll get the call and I won't have to. And then I just gave in. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to knock this out. And so I was able to do that one a lot faster than the first one. So it was not actually that big of a deal, but I just remember having to do that book and then coming into 2018 thinking, wow, it was supposed to be 1.75 years and now we've gone past two and we've like no, you know, I know I heard you say adoption, Lord, like what, (laughs) what Mm -hmm. is the deal? Um, so yeah, we just went on about our lives and I had, I didn't mention this about my career, but when I stopped teaching full time, I started just teaching lessons part time. And I can see as I look back that God was directing me to these really random things, but I do think he was teaching me to be able to let go and be totally fine with it by the time we did get the call, as they say. Um, but I had the opportunity to teach private lessons. So I would go into different schools all throughout around our area and work one-on-one with students, which was really fun for me because I was still teaching, but I could like, you know, really connect with these kids. I was able to maintain contact with all my band director friends. So that was fun. Um, they actually hired me at MTSU and I worked adjunct there for a while. I never thought that I would be like a college professor, which I didn't attain the title of professor, but <laughs> you know, just like you never thought you could do that yeah. in 2010 when we were starting to try. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned BSF, you know, I would have never been able to go during the day and have these Bible studies. And so if I can mention one more very pivotal moment, we were studying John. I'll never forget this. Uh, we got to John nine and talking about the man who was born blind and I don't remember if it was in the lecture, or the notes, or in a group discussion, but it just was so clear to me that Jesus said, no one sinned. This happened so that the glory of God could be seen. And so I just started thinking, I think God is having us wait to draw in a crowd. I had never thought that before we studied that passage. And I thought, that is cool. Like He wants everybody to be able to see what he can do. Not what I can do, but what he, you know, is working all these things together. And so it was like all these people at church knew about this because we'd waited so long. People like, you know, we, it was on the prayer list. So everybody knew. And of course our family knew. And now all these people through BSF knew and these other band directors that would have never known if we just had a child after a few months of trying. Um, so it did give us the opportunity to say, God did this because it's obvious that we couldn't and so here it is, you know. Um, so that that year was a really great study. But fast forward, we're in 2018. I had this big performance. Um, I'm an oboe player, and I, they asked me to do this big solo with the group that I play in. And so I'd been working on that and, like, invited some family to come. It was kind of a big deal for me. It went really well. And, you know, finishing out the school year with the lessons. And I remember just thinking, like, this summer feels like a fresh start, you know, because there was just a lot of things that, I don't know, felt like they had tied up in neat little bows. I was able to go with my parents to a cousin's graduation that, you know, is sounds kind of random, but it was just my mother, father, and me in the car. 
driving all the way to like northern Arkansas. And we had the best time. That kind of stuff would have never happened, you know. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. So anyway, um, Sean and I were going to meet. Do you want me to tell this now? Yeah. Okay. We were going to meet at Blue Coast for lunch. And I got the call and it was our caseworker. And I thought, this is odd because she usually emails. That's how we correspond. And so I answered it and it was like, is Sean with you? And I was like, oh my goodness, it's happening. (laughs) But it was just out of the clear blue sky. And like I said, looking back now, I see how God like tied up all those loose ends. Let me do some really cool things in the meantime and really grew, grew both of us. Um, but anyway, so there we were standing outside Blue Coast with the traffic racing past us, trying to hear the s- most important details ever, um, <laughs> that we had been chosen and our daughter had already been born two days before. Wow. So, oh, that's yeah. Oh my goodness. Joy, joy. Wow. And she was like, what are you doing next Monday? And we were oh. like, what? <laughs> and that's how fast you got that's her. We had that's five days. Yeah. Wow. After all that, it's like, yep. Zero to 60 mm. in five days. Wow. Oh, yay, yay, yay. Love, love, love happy yeah. endings. Oh. Love happy endings. I know. It's so good. It's so good. So, so yeah. I wanted to ask <laughs> so another question about, um, I, I, I just keep going back to people, um, people's reactions to you. And you had such supportive families and you've talked yes. so much about um, your community and your different yes. groups and stuff and the support that they offered. Um, but I know I've heard so many people and I have a couple of cousins who've struggled with infertility, um, who family members, bless them, will just, when are you starting a family? When are you going to have a baby? When you, and mothers and mothers-in-law, you know, eager for the grandbabies. Yeah. And how, um, I just want to say never, 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 never ask that question. You just don't know somebody's story, but people are still asking that question. Um, and I found a surprising um, piece of information, I guess, look, researching for all of this, is that there is a thing called secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. So even if you have a, a successful pregnancy mm-hmm. and a child, you're able to have one, um, secondary infertility is a thing. And mm-hmm. it's not a given, you yeah. know, and there's that that other question oh well they're fine they're not having struggling with infertility so you ask the question what about a little baby brother or sister yes yeah never 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 (laughs) can I say it again for the people in the back (laughs) ask the question it is none of your business yeah yeah so did you have that at all or or have to navigate I don't know we heard crazy things I think um through the infertility time we did have some questions of now when are you and I, I don't want to talk about it too much because it might indicate a specific person right. that we all know. But um, it was like mortifying because, you know, you're just trying to get through the day sometimes. You're trying to just cling to God for dear life. And then someone says something and you think, I am devastated. I don't know what to say to you. Like, you expect me to have a good response to that question? Yeah. Um, yeah but. Another thing, and that was during the infertility time, we definitely had questions about, you know, when are you going to start a family? And uh, wouldn't your child make such a great musician? And just silly things, you know. Um, But then when we were telling people that we were waiting to adopt, they're like, well, you know, as soon as you adopt, then you'll get Uh, pregnant. 
And I'm like, clearly not, because yeah. here yeah, we are three years into it. And it's privy to all of the... <laughs> you know, yeah. and people just think they've heard of one person yeah. that that happened to. And so they assume that that, you know, could be the case for everyone. And no, it isn't. Um, still not pregnant for anyone in the back who missed it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, people just say crazy things. And I, I had to get to a place where I, and still now, this is what I think in my mind when people say something crazy, not even about this topic, but I really think if it's a person that knows me, they are, they love me. They want to have a conversation, but they really don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of one person in particular who jokes around too much and crosses the line like on a regular basis and it's not because they want to hurt me they really don't want to hurt me they're trying to talk about a hard subject matter they don't have the vocabulary and so then they just cross the line trying to make it lighthearted. and it's like it's just better just not to talk about you know yes. <laughs> like, right. but you can't it's say that so back on you mm-hmm. to make them feel better when you're the one having to show right. the whole thing in the first place that shouldn't be an added thing for you to have to carry that drives me crazy. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm a little bit. I can tell. I can tell. And people yeah. say things now, like we're t- just now talking about infertility, but also about adoption. And I sent you guys, you know, there's some words that we shouldn't use. And everyone doesn't know these words. Frankly, if we hadn't gone through the adoption process, we wouldn't know them either. So I'm not judging anyone. But the phrase like, you know, giving up a child for adoption is so harmful because Daisy's birth mother did not give her up. She made a conscious choice to continue her pregnancy, to choose us, and to maintain contact with us. That is not giving up. That is fighting hard and brave, to your point in the very beginning. So just I ask everyone, <laughs> please stop saying that. And if you hear someone in a loving way say, you let's think of a different way we can say that they chose adoption for their child or just, they were placed for adoption that, yes yes right she's very bright she she knows what's going on we talk to her about it but yeah she hears what other people say as well mm-hmm. sure she does yeah sure. yeah um, and and so you I mean, we could go on. There was a, that was a good list. There's a list of a lot of things you're not supposed to say. So I don't want to cut you short on that. I do have a question in mind. Is there something, is there something else that's frequent that people say? Um, well, thankfully, we don't hear this a lot. But every now and then, someone will say, is she yours? Oh, Abby's mentioned that one, too. Yeah. And Daisy is Caucasian. We are also Caucasian. So that question probably doesn't come up as much as it would if you had different races represented in your family, uh, different ethnicities. But no, it's like, yes, yes, she is ours. Yeah. And I believe God is the author of families. Mm -hmm. So where that child is, is exactly Mm -hmm. where they were meant to be. And yes, she's ours. Mm -hmm. And I will fight you. No. I know. We stood in the courtroom. Did you stand in the courtroom? (laughs) We swore. I mean, seriously, she is ours. So it's just crazy. But you, again, I don't think people say things like that to be hurtful or to be, I don't know. It's just a they just aren't thinking yes, of want, what that and, word means. And I, I mean, I really do hate language police. You know, we're yeah, saying so much of that. I know. But 
as a Christian, it's my obligation to try to communicate with people in a loving way and in a way that doesn't hurt them. And so if I can do that, yes, then I need to be aware of that. Yeah. And this is, I mean, as Christians, that's what we do. Right. We, we bring children in to our lives. And, um, and like you mentioned on the race episode, we need to ask questions. Yes. So the better thing to do is ask a question. If you don't know how to talk about it, say, I don't really know what word to use. Can you help me understand? Yeah. Can you just open it up with grace. a question. Yeah. Don't hate me for asking yeah. this. Just bear with me. Yeah. We don't have any experience in our family yes. with adoption. I don't know how to talk about it and I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, Can yeah. you just give me some tips? Yes. You know, perfect. Yeah. No, Great. Or infertility. Right. Any of yeah. those. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, okay. So. I want to know. So you get the phone call. There's five days. <laughs> like, give us the blow by blow. This is like the climax of the story. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. We didn't have a car seat yeah. because, you know, they can expire. And because of all of our all years right. of waiting, I was like, I'm not buying that car seat and then have to buy another one because that will do me in. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So that was like, we got to get a car seat, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just a flurry of phone calls and because our family everyone lives in another state except for one aunt who lives here in town we had to tell the news over the phone and so that was like a little bittersweet you know there's no like gender reveal party or anything where you get to celebrate with people (laughs) we had to call on the phone um but then it was like everybody wanted to help us they wanted to bring food they do do you need any diapers and you know what about clothes and all these many questions and I just found myself like I can't even really think about like the child that is about to come into our home because I'm just like answering the phone and making a list and running to Target and you know it was just crazy and so I think for about two weeks that's kind of how it was it was just a blur of just doing all the things and people coming in you know lots of people coming in but most important um is that we were able to go on the next Monday to the adoption agency. Our entire life group came who had walked with us for those eight years. They were all there. Yes. And, um, and then, you know, my family was able to come. Sean's family was able to come. And again, these people live out of state. So with such short notice, it was like a miracle that they could all come. My grandmother was able to come and just what blew us away that day um, was that the interim care family. So let me back up. Daisy was born on a Monday and it was Memorial day. The interim care family that works with the agency took her home from the hospital and they were the ones who cared for her for the first week of her life. So extremely precious people. And so when they, on that day, when we saw her for the first time, they are the ones who handed her to us. And in some cases, you know, if you're adopting and you've already met the birth mother, then you're like in the hospital and the birth mother might hand directly to you. But that's not mm-hmm. what our situation was. And we found out that like we had some connections with this interim care family, which is so bizarre. And they were so awesome. She had kept, she took so many pictures. She had kept so many records of like all the diaper changes and, you know, little anecdotal things about her smiling and, you know, um, how she reacted when they took her outside and, and they had three children of their own. So the pictures were the little children, like reading to Daisy, you know, the newborn. So anyway, so precious. Um, but they entrusted her to our care that day. And so we took her home that very day on that Monday and, you know, throughout, about two months people were bringing us food about every other day 
It was such an outpouring. It was amazing. They threw together a big giant shower. I've never seen a baby shower like that before. (laughs) It's like the whole church turned up. And anyway, we had to wait for six months to finalize her adoption. That's what you have to do in Tennessee. And so then after those six months, we went to the courthouse and again, we literally swore that we understood that she was our legal heir. And that's one of the things Sean said that was his favorite part, that she is legally your heir to be able to inherit, you know, from you. Mm -hmm. And do you agree? We're like, yes, you know. (laughs) So after that, it felt like, okay, we finally did it. Like it's done. The six months, though, like describe your emotions. Um. Well, we I do believe that God extra specially blessed us with Daisy's birth mother. Again, I want to protect her privacy, but she um, she went and surrendered her rights on the very day that she could do that in the court and was keeping in contact with the counselor our agency and so it was like we were talking to our caseworker that we had been knowing all this time and love her to pieces and then Daisy's birth mother was talking to the counselor and of course they work together so you know it was like this little triangle of communication that was going on um, for a while and then she said she was willing to have direct contact with us and we'd gone through all these trainings about open adoption and we knew that was a possibility we were good with it but it was still kind of like oh you know because it's just another step of putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. and so we began uh directly emailing her we had been sending once a month updates to the caseworker who sent it to the counselor who sent it to the birth mother Mm -hmm. and so we had been doing that all along so really the only thing that changes we just cut out the middleman and we just Mm -hmm. sent it straight to her and she would almost always respond with one or two sentences and just over time now that Daisy's about to be three, we've just come to love her and we've only seen her in person once, but just through all those contacts once a month and sometimes more if it's around the holidays, um, just so love her are in awe of her bravery and, um, how she talks about everything. It's like so, uh, mature mm. that you just think, wow, God doubly blessed us with yeah. this, amazing birth mother mm. on top of the amazing child yes she is an amazing she child is. <laughs> she's the cutest pumpkin oh my goodness and smart yeah oh my goodness so smart um so wow what a happy ending you I know my, you ending. know i love happy <laughs> ending, Connie. You it's your favorite yes. <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> oh bonnie goes in for tragedy <laughs> but in this case, we're not. <laughs> like we're in a book group together. I should explain. Okay. And you're always <laughs> picking. You're always picking horrible endings. They're just so sad. But this, one was not. But this is such yeah. a great. It's such a great ending. It's just great to see. Yeah. So thank you, Katie, so, for coming yeah. out today you're and yeah. for sharing your story with just, us. So it's so like very gritty private. and private. Yeah, it's very. You're very transparent, and it's honestly, it's going to be helpful on so many levels. Because it's, it was super practical how you just kind of walked through that whole process. Someone who is maybe just thinking, hey, this is where I'm going to have to walk to. Mm-hmm. But then also just that how you stewarded your suffering uh, it makes me think of the episode with Jenna mm-hmm. King. It's like a beautiful thing when a Christian comforts himself in the Lord. And mm-hmm. that's what I saw you doing over and over in your story. And how you and um, your husband were 
able to not grow apart in this process. You were able to steward your relationship. It's also a beautiful story. He he mentioned that. That was one of the things he brought up that a lot of times it ends in divorce. Yeah. Because it's just it takes such a toll. And so I'm very thankful for Sean and how the Lord had already um, grown him before we started walking this journey. Because he said in that message to me that he thought it was harder for me. Like the infertility part was harder for me because it was like my body. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, um, that he, you know, was committed to hearing me and supporting me. And so he had hard times too, don't get me wrong, but, um, he felt like that was my harder season. And so yeah. some people would just be like, I'm out, you know, yeah. or get like, yourself together. Can't yeah. you get yourself together? I, I remember, um, when David did that for me, a season of our life, which is a story for another day. But, uh, when he called the doctor, the doctor said, um, I'm going to cry now too. <laughs> he said, do you know how many husbands I hear? Mm. Say, will you just fix her? Oh no. Like my life is a misery. We just fix her. And it's so such a blessing. Yeah. Like your best friend beside yes. you going. Um, yeah. We're going to be intentional about this. You know what? We're in this together. Yeah. And Love if that. I have to pull extra weight during this time. Right. That's so what yeah. I signed up for. That's it. That's totally. what I signed up for. And there's no yeah. timeline on that. Yeah. So um, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Wait, Sean. Virtual high five, Sean. (laughs) We love you. You're great. Oh, so, yeah. So thanks for listening to this episode of um, Just Ask Your Mom. And uh, we'll have notes and resources um, on our website, justaskyourmom.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. And if you're listening and um, you like us, we'd just appreciate a rating. It'll help people find us a little bit easier. And send us your questions or topics. Just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we want to also say thanks to our production manager, Cheyenne Avila, tech and social media administrator, Savannah Cunningham, and graphic designer, Emma Goodwin. And we'll see you next time on Just, Just Ask, ask your, your Mom. mom.